Kala. It means holy worship. Join me, your host, Robert Randall, as we delve into biblical instrumentation and music history to discover the sounds behind the words of our Savior, Yeshua Messiah. It is I, your host, Robert Randall, coming to you from the beautiful Rocky Mountains of Colorado Springs. I want to thank you all for listening to Kadoshika Holy Worship, Understand the Music of the Bible. Welcome to Season 3, Understand the Sounds Behind the Words of Our Master, Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Today, we are continuing our journey into Season 3. We're actually going to be looking at a related article from, uh, from what we discussed last time. Um, which is about the most ancient musical instrument found. Uh, we discussed that last week. This week, we're taking a look at a hidden archway in the temple and its implications for what we see uh, behind that archway. And this is an article, uh, this is by the the guys also at Patterns of Evidence, um, and it says here, a new discovery on the Temple Mount. Now, this is done this is published during the pandemic uh about 2020 october of 2020 so yeah about about uh about a quarter of the way through the pandemic at that point um so it says here um it says here gate found on the eastern wall of the dome of the rock plaza it says here, um, it gives the source for where he got the information from a, a Jerusalem newspaper. It was an independent journal. It says here, in the eastern wall uh, in the, of the raised platform on which, on which the Nicanor Gate stood during the days of the temple, two arches were recently discovered that had been blocked at some point. Where did they lead? To, where did they lead to and who built them? And does this have anything to do with the holiday of Sukkot or the Feast of Booths? The eastern wall of the raised platform that supports the plaza around the Dome of the Rock is, is closely connected with the, Sukkot, with the Sukkot Feast of Tabernacles or Booths. According to Jewish tradition, that places the Holy of Holies in the center of the Dome of the Rock. The Nicanor Gate stood on the wall, on this wall, during the days of the temple. The staircase that descends from it today numbers 25 steps, but originally there was only 15 steps. On, uh, on the feast of, of Beit, of Beit, Hash, of Beit Hashoeva, the water drying ceremony, on the feast of Sukkot, they went down to draw the water from the pool of, of Siloam. Levavot, Levites, stood on these stone steps and sang the 15 songs of the, of the degrees in the book of Psalms. Typically, this was chapters uh, 130 through 135. Uh, 150, bleh, 130, to, <laughs> 130 to, to about 145, um, if I recall correctly. 
Um, and it says here, uh, this wall is, is oriented in an almost precise north-south line, a half-degree deviation that may be explained by a certain change in the magnetic north for a thousand years, just as the temple itself was oriented according to precise astronomical directions. This eastern wall preserves a memory of the most significant difference in height on the ancient temple mount, namely that which separated the high court of Israel from the lower court of the women. In recent weeks, uh, Dr. Eli David has noticed two blocked arches in this wall, which as far as is known are not mentioned in the research literature of Temple Mount of the Temple Mount from the 18th century, 19th century, excuse me. There seemed to be a passage here that had been blocked at some point in the past. Archaeological archaeologist Dr. Lean Rittenmeyer, who had been researching the Temple Mount since the 1970s, also did not know about these arches, but is now speculated that they were built sometime during the Crusader period or even earlier. According to Rittenmeyer, the plaza around the Dome of the Rock was probably founded in the 7th or 8th century AD for the purpose of supporting the Dome of the Rock, and yet it probably also incorporates much older components. At the northern end of this wall are three courses, layers of ancient construction, that also extended along the northern wall of the raised platform. In his hypothesis, it is possible that this corner served as an end to the song, which marked the area beyond which foreigners and the unclean were forbidden to enter. Now, the 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 whole jubilation around this water drying ceremony. This is me pausing from the reading here. Uh, really, this was this is like Mardi Gras gone gone Eastern style. Okay, there were people juggling torches. There were people selling trinkets. They were just all about this. And really what this was, was that the high priest was going down to the pool, drying out this water while they're singing these psalms. And literally all, all of the temple Levites and priests, they're, they're lined along these steps on either side while the high priest is doing this. And he goes all the way back up from the pool, all the way up to the, to the temple mount. And he... And he sloshes the water over the brazen hot altar, and it just steams. And this is where we get that passage in Luke. I believe it's Luke twelve, where he says, "If any man, if any man thirsts, let him come to me, and and he will bring forth streams of living water from his belly." And this was this was Messiah fulfilling the prophecy of 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 course not only the idea of of Sukkot as a time of jubilation on um, on Rosh Hashanah Haba the the last great day the eighth day of the feast a unique day of jubilation but it also fulfills you know the idea that 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 the Spirit will uh, will one day come upon people and that of course um, of course the altar that they had cleansed since the Maccabees, it was really a, a ritual to kind of commemorate um, that cleansing as well as, as another layer of, of that sort of worship. Um, okay. So, oh, oh, and then, and then the, the marker beyond which foreigners are unclean could not go beyond. 
That's the wall of partition that the scriptures speak about. When they say, when Christians say that Christ nailed the covenants and ordinances of the cross, the, the wall of partition, it's speaking about the very wall of, of partition that they were bringing to foreigners and unclean who were, who were supposed to be able to come to the temple and worship God. But because of the way religion had defined how that was supposed to take place, that was not happening. And Christ was totally going against that. He was saying, he was saying, my prayer, you know, my house is a house of prayer for all nations, all peoples. There's no Jew and Gentile separating this. It's no different than Martin Luther coming against transubstantiation in the Catholic Church, to put it in a Reformed understanding. Okay, um, let me continue with the article here. Um, it says here that, that there was a description how inside the Temple Mount... was was a latticed railing lining lining the lining 10 landbreadths high Josephus the first century historian refers to this feature describing it as a stone a stone latticed with the inscription prohibiting the entrance of a foreigner under threat and penalty of death and um, and that that's from the Antiquities of the Jews, chapter fifteen, uh, uh, four seventeen. Also, War of the Jews, five verse one ninety three and to one ninety four, chapter six verse one twenty five, and Ephesians two fourteen, which is what which is the verse I was just describing, the wall of partition that Christ was breaking. Um, it was probably uh, in this very barrier that Paul was referring to when he wrote uh, that Jesus had broken down the middle wall of partition. Okay, and so they show some excerpts of what uh, what these entranceways might have looked like here and where, where they actually believe that these doorways were covered up. At the southern end of the eastern wall, there are indications of the existence of additional underground spaces that have been sealed off in the mid-19th century. The British expedition author Charles Warren asked permission to explore this space, but the very next day, a pile of earth was placed on front of the opening that prevented it. A pile that was later replaced by a stone-blocking wall, according to Rittenmeyer's calculations. This was the place of the chamber of hewn stone where the Sanhedrin used to hold court sessions. Ah, very interesting. Because... You need to understand after after the great earthquake that split the temple in the middle, they didn't have a place to meet. They had to meet in the middle of town to discuss religious policy. It's kind of a bummer for them. Um, and this wall has a few more things to tell us. At one point on the wall, north of the stairway, two large stones remain at the base of the wall, which Rittenmeyer speculates may have been from the time of Herod and may have served as part of the retaining wall for the court of the women. 
and they show these two large stones. Not much to look at, honestly. Um, going back to the blocked arched openings located by Dr. Eli David, Rittenmeyer points out that on the sides of these two arches, two large stones can be seen that seem to belong to a triple opening. According to Rittenmeyer, it's difficult to date the exact style of the construction, but in his opinion, these stones are similar to the ancient stone courses mentioned before, which are located on the northeast corner of the eastern wall. In his estimation, the opening may be from the Crusader period or even earlier, and these architectural remains show that there is still much to do, explore, and discover, Rittenmeyer admits. Not only are the outer walls of the Herodian Temple Mount, uh, but also on the Temple Mount Plaza itself. Uh, and then it shows some arrows uh, in this beautiful photo, actually, that shows a better understanding of what these openings might have looked like. Uh, they're, they're basically two openings, um, two, uh, two triple sets of stones that you could have cut into um, three... Um, well, actually, no. This actually would have been would have been four different entrances. But I get I get what I get what what they're saying. They're saying two entrances, but technically it would have been four. Um, in terms of of the way the arches work, even if Don Rittenmeyer assumes that these arches are from the Crusader period, that they may have served as an opening in a much earlier underground space when it was created. Uh, <laughs> um, it may have served as an opening to a much earlier underground space. When was it created and by whom? It is not clear, but perhaps one should recall the words of, of Tractate Midot 2 verse 6 regarding this very place, which indicates that this is the place where the musical instruments of the temple were stored. And there were chambers under the court of Israel, which opened to the court of the women where the Levites played upon harps and lyres and the cymbals and all the instruments of music at the Simchat Beit, Hashaviah, the rejoicing of the water ceremony that took place on the holiday nights. They played loudly, it says. Now the tractate, this is coming from the Talmud, most likely the Babylonian Talmud, not the Jerusalem Talmud. Um, just telling you the historic significance of, of that jubilation during Sukkot in the evening. I find it very exciting to, to speculate that some remains of the entrance of this music room may have survived the Roman destruction of 70 AD. It is of special importance that this discovery was made during the days of Sukkot. Music played an important role during the feasts of Israel, during, uh, especially during the present day of Sukkot. Trumpets were used to announce Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the civil new year. This is not the, the beginning of the biblical new year at Passover. This is the civil new year. That's a, that's a whole other religious tradition. I don't have time to get into that. Uh, which fell on the 19th of August, uh, 2020, which is when this, this article was written, uh, on the 10th of Tishri, which uh, was 29th of September, uh, was Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement during a Jubilee year. Uh, the trumpet of, of the Jubilee was sounded on the 10th day in the seventh month on the day of atonement. You shall make the trumpet, the, the katsutsra is what it's called, uh, the silver trumpet to sound throughout all of your land. And you shall consecrate 
the 15th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land and to all its inhabitants and shall be a jubilee for you and each of you shall return to his possession and each of you shall return to his family. Uh, uh, that is from Vayakra, Leviticus 25, 9 through 10. Um, as of course, if you want to hear about, about the trumpets, um, go ahead and take a listen to season two of the podcast. And um, for those of you listening on Wisdom, uh, the live stream on Wisdom, you can go to my profile and pull up the podcast there if you're interested. Every morning of Sukkot at daybreak, a group of Levites and priests went down to the Siloam pool which is located south of the Temple Mount, and drew three, uh, and drew three log, a Talmudic, a Talmudic liquid measurement of fresh water to be poured on the altar after the daily morning sacrifice. Their arrival at the temple with the water was accompanied by trumpet blasts for Shabbat Sabbath, and the water was collected before the onset of Shabbat and stored in a golden vessel in the temple. It says in the Talmud that he who has not seen the water drying celebration has never seen joy in his life. Jesus used this act to draw the attention of the spectators to this ceremony when he said in John 7, 37 through 39, uh, that was the verse I was looking for. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth in me, as the scripture saith, hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Amen and amen. So I find that very peculiar that the idea of a music room, I think speaks, um, speaks to, to some further archeology that needs to be done here. I mean, if we think that the article that we talked about, uh, the other day, the other week had implications. Can you imagine us finding even even just fragments of an ancient symbol or a silver trumpet or a tabret, uh, a tambourine, or even an ancient ugav, whether that was a an ancient panpipe or whether it was something that was a um, a more oriental fashioned uh, pipe organ, as I've as I explained in that episode in season two for the woodwinds on the Ugav, the ancient organ or the, the woodwind pipe. We're really not sure what it was, but most people believe it to be uh, like a pan pipe. Um, you know, to be able to even maybe even see, you know, a shofar back in the day, who knows? Um, it would be amazing to have that preservation for musicology, for music history. And, you know, I, I am no temple expert by any means. I know that there are, uh, the, the one guy that comes to mind, um, oh my gosh, I, I can hear his voice. I can see his face and I am blanking on his name right now. Um, oh my gosh. It's, it's not Peter del Toro. It is, um, uh he's on he's on the Hebrew Nation Network. He, Hebrew Roots Network, I know that. Um Oh my gosh, I am absolutely blanking. Give me just a moment. Clear my mind is shell, and I will remember. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna drink of water. 
Okay. It's not Brad Scott. It's not Bill Cloud. Certainly not Michael Rood. Um, oh my gosh. I, I guarantee you, when, when I'm done with this, when I'm done recording this, I guarantee you I will remember the name. Um, but it's just escaping me right now. Anyway, um, I've seen presentations on the temple. Um, it's not Mike Lake, although Mike Lake does do um, a great podcast on Living Torah on Hebrew Nation Radio, which is um, which produces which broadcasts this podcast um, as well um, as his um, as his temple his uh, his temple exhibit that he tours with. Michael Lake's temple exhibit is very well done. I like it a lot. Um, he actually did a presentation for Hebrew Roots Network. Very well done. Um, and, but, but yeah, the, the other guy that I'm thinking of is he is Hispanic and he's on the Hebrew Roots Network, but he delved deep in the temple. Like he can tell you things about, you know, every sanctuary, every layer of it. I'm going to have to consult his work because I want to, I want to know if there is more about this music room. It didn't even dawn on me that there would be something like this until I crossed this article. I mean, duh, you know, we think musical instruments for temple worship, but we don't think, well, there's a room for those things. And so if there is further archaeological evidence going on with this, uh, with these archways to get to this music room, I want to know about it. Hopefully we'll have an update on this at some point. But for the time being, I thought I'd share this with you. I thought it was very interesting. Um, and I hope that you like it. It's a little nugget of music history. So with that, I'm signing out and Shalom. If you'd like to find out more about your host, you can go to my official website at robertrandallmusic.com where you can read my bio and see the various projects that I've worked on for, uh, with one accord ministries, as well as listen to my albums, my first album, that perfect moment, a solo piano relaxing album with background orchestration of original composition works and EP as well as my second album which is a classical piano album called a classical baroque musician featuring some of the most well-known beloved classical pieces from three genres of classical composers including Beethoven, Bach, Mozart and Chopin. You can also find me on social music media on Soundbirth app which allows musicians to collaborate as well as promote their music on Spotify and YouTube and get advice from music managers on how to better their craft and their, uh, their ability to be a better musician. You can also find me on bandlab.com at Robert Randall Music. You can also find me on soundtrap.com or the Soundtrap app. Robert Randall Music. Soundtrap is a digital audio workstation allowing for aspiring musicians to create audio content via loops or through live instruments, as well as connect with musicians all over the globe on the Skype platform and the chat platform to create works of art in music, as well as podcast content creation for distribution on the Spotify platform. Whether you're a solo musician, a band, or an aspiring content creator, Soundtrap is the platform for you. Also, if you're an educator wanting to teach your class using the creative arts, Soundtrap is also a great way to teach your students in a very fun and creative environment. 
finally, brethren, we are not here without your precious prayers and financial support. To Hebrew Nation Radio, Intervision FM, and our podcast providers. Hebrew Nation Radio is a 501c3 ministry, a radio broadcast, and a bookstore delivering the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom prophetically for our name, destiny, calling in the body of Christendom, and delivering the Torah to the nations to those curious about the Hebraic roots of the Christian faith. Hebrew Nation Radio, building a nation, not a denomination, now reaches a million visitors every day on HebrewNationOnline.com, on the Hebrew Nation app, as well as on the Hebrew Nation Online podcast and the newest engagement in our Mighty Network's Hebrew Nation Online community. We'd like to thank Roland and the crew for all that they've done to support Holy Worship. You can also listen to Holy Worship as an individual podcast on whatever podcast platform that you get your podcast provided on. If you enjoy Holy Worship, the music of the Bible, please consider making a donation at the link included at every podcast description of every episode on the podcast to keep us going with our podcast provider on Anchor.fm. We'd also like to thank Johnny Johnson and crew at Intervision.fm for also broadcasting our podcast every Friday at 5.30 p.m. on Intervision.fm. Intervision.fm is an online radio station broadcasting us on KINV-DB Internet Radio on Live 365 on the 365 app and website for Internet Radio. Intervision FM recently won the 2021 Denver Honoree of, of the Mayor's Award for Excellence in the, the Arts and Culture. And that has been an award that's been presented since 1986. You can find Johnny Johnson and crew on YouTube or on various Denver TV networks as well as on intervision.fm. And uh, listen to their radio station and watch their YouTube show as well every Wednesday. Thank you so much, uh, guys, for allowing Holy Worship to be broadcast on Intervision FM. It is a unique opportunity as well for those who are in the blind and visually impaired community and those with uh, various disabilities to be able to learn the ability to broadcast their content, be it music or podcasting, on online radio. And Intervision FM works with its mission to educate people with disabilities to have a voice uh, in the Denver community. So we thank Intervision FM for all that they're doing, uh, especially for someone who resonates with their vision to help people with disabilities to have a voice, uh, not only for the gospel of Christ, but for those seeking to have a voice through the soul and, and operation of music. And thank you, everyone, for listening today. And I hope that you have a blessed Sabbath. And until next time, I'm Robert Randall, signing out. Be blessed, everyone.